My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, if you got your Bibles, let's open up to 3 John. <clears throat> so I'm having fun with this. And uh, we'll see if we can play some Who's This John, okay? So who's that John? This is a tough one. They're hard today. Last week was pretty easy. This, yeah, John Wesley. Very good. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Now, like this one might be really difficult. It might not be that one. I don't know. Not Smith, no. <laughs> we have a John Smith here at Stuart Heights, but that's not him. We're actually quoting him today in Sunday school. Uh, no, Piper was last week. John Voigt? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I can't imagine there's anything Voigt has ever said that I'd want to use in Sunday school. <laughs> Unless it's a really cool quote from a movie, right? But other than that. Now, this is John Stott. Uh, John Stott. So some of you may have read some of uh, his quotes or his works. Um, fantastic preacher. And uh, we might talk about him more one day. And then this is the John that we're going to be looking at today. Third John. <clears throat> the Apostle John. So if you got your Bibles, uh, we're in 3 John today. Our schedule uh, is, last week we did the first four verses. Uh, today we're doing the next four verses. Uh, next week we'll do the next four verses, and then the last week we'll finish up the last two. All right, so I'm going to read through all of 3 John. So if you've got your Bibles open, we'll do that, and then we'll come back and look at the... Uh, Explanation, application, and personalization of verses 5 through 8. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We, therefore, ought to receive such, that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come... I will call to mind his deeds which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. <clears throat> As someone who likes to read uh, and enjoys reading things aloud, this is as wonderfully uh, pleasant words as you kind of get from a oral speaking perspective. It's a, it flow, it is beautifully well written. Uh, and I think part of this has to do with just the simplicity of the language itself. 
I mentioned last week that if you're interested in learning Greek, 3 John is a fantastic letter to start with. Uh, it has incredibly simple vocabulary. It has very simple structure. He's not getting fancy or complex. Uh, and to me, it illustrates that theology and Christianity and Jesus is both accessible and explainable to and by anybody. Uh, there's, a, there's a certain pleasantness in the simplicity of both his message and the way in which he describes it. So, uh, our first question on your handout there, are there any literary or structural observations that you see today? So, last week was kind of the, the introduction, we greeted Gaius, and then what's he talking about? Uh, what are the structural observations? Anything that you see today? think back to middle school, if you think to the parts of a letter, what are the parts of a letter? We have the letter of, a, of an introduction, this greeting, right? You have the body and then kind of the closing or the signature. So where are we at today? We're firmly in the body, right? Absolutely. So starting off with the basics, make sure we're all on the same page. So what does he talk, what does he start off with? Does he start off with positive? Does he start off with neutral? Does he start off with negative? What's he start off with? A lot of positive, right? A lot of positive, and then he, this is kind of how a lot of managers have been taught to deliver performance feedback, right? It's, I state some positive, I say the thing that I actually wanted to say, which is the negative, and then I finish up with some positive, and thank you very much, go have a great day, right? Uh, it's the what, the what sandwich? It's the, yeah, the sandwich method of communication, that's right. Uh, it's bologna, <laughs> bologna sandwich, I like that, yeah. That's pretty much right. That's pretty much right. And uh, if, if you're diatrophies, you probably only heard verses 9 and 10, right? If you're diatrophies, you probably only heard verses 9 and 10. I mean, that's the, ooh, well, you stepped on my toes. Yes, because they needed stepping on. Uh, and if you're Gaius, you are feeling very, very encouraged from this message, right? Uh, and that's a good thing. I, I, think, I think often we forget to just be encouraging to each other. Uh, and this is a very powerful thing that we have. Uh, and the beautiful thing is that John put it in writing for him, and I don't have any expectation that Gaius thought that this was going to be part of the canon, right? He, he didn't probably get the letter and go, oh, wow, this is, this is God's word to me. This is a letter from my friend John. This is fantastic. Uh, but he got to, the Holy Spirit allowed this to be preserved and shared with us in a way that we can benefit. Uh, and at the same time, uh, John finishes up. He says, I don't want to write to you with pen and ink, but hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. There was much more that he wanted to say. So this very loving, caring, fatherly type approach, which was a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, so just to, by way of review, uh, here's the, the repeated words next in this section. Uh, as a reminder, here's the words that show up more than three times. So you and your, it's a very direct letter. Um, so you can be kind and loving and encouraging and direct at the same time. Uh, sometimes we forget and we are too vague and general with our encouragements as opposed to this is specifically what I'm talking about. Uh, and then your next blank is beloved and love and loves. It shows up seven times. <clears throat> and there's different uh, Greek words for this uh, throughout as well. And then uh, what's that third blank? Anybody remember? Truth, yes. 
truth. Aletheia. That is the word. So this idea that our encouragement to and from one another and our reprimand to and from one another uh, is rooted in something that is true and factual. It is not... uh, Nothing that John is talking about here is emotionally based. This is not, I'm feeling good today, so I'm going to have some positive for you. It's, I'm looking at the standard of God's truth. Your life is matching up with that. Therefore, I'm going to encourage you to continue. And atrophies, I'm looking at the standard of God's truth. Your life is not lining up with that. Therefore, I'm going to warn you and call you back to right behavior. Um, so it's, it's always rooted for John in the truth of Uh, what Jesus has actually taught. All right, so let's look at what the words mean. So verse 5, first word up is agapetos. Uh, What does this word look like? Agape, yes. Uh, This is the, uh, I believe, the adjective form, or the noun form. It's the noun form. So just like in English, we can, uh, Greek, you can change uh, parts of speech in the the verbs and in the, uh, the nouns and adjectives by spelling them a little differently. So, beloved, so this is, I, I care about you. He's, he's drawing him close with this language. You do faithfully, pistos. The, uh, it's a very similar word to pistis, the, the word for faith and uh, truth. Uh, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren. And then that word brethren is adelphos. And obviously you look at that and you say, well, what word is adelphos? What does it look like? What's that? Philadelphia, yes. It's absolutely right. It's very similar to Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> it's, the, it's a compound word. The ah is this connective participle, and then delphus, the womb. And it literally means you're connected relationally in the womb. And if, if Lynn, I'm going to look at you because I, I know your brother. Uh, you are connected relationally with someone else who has shared your mother's womb, and that is your brother. Right? So this is the word that he's using here. He's saying we are we are brothers, so he says, we are brothers and uh, for strangers. So he's saying, uh, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. Now, usually I don't have you write out Greek words, but I want you to write this one out, and it's xenos, Z, sorry, X-E-N-O-S, X-E-N-O-S. <clears throat> so I am... I'm, I'm going to put all my cards on the table. What I am about to talk about is not intended to be political in any way, shape, or form. But in our last presidential election, you heard a word that looks a little bit like this word. Xenophobe, right. And what does that word mean? It means what? Anti. Yeah, anybody but us. That's exactly right. So we're in and everybody else can stay out. All right, so that's the exact concept here. This, is, this word means foreign. It literally means alien. That's your next blank. It's somebody that's not us, not from us. Uh, it can also mean a guest, somebody that is you are hosting in your home, uh, but it is the idea that it, this is not where they are normally residing. So I, I thought that was interesting that we come up on that. So we've got, uh, he says... Uh, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. So for those with whom you share this relational family connection and for strangers. So 
if, if you think about a Venn diagram of everybody in the world, does, does everybody pretty much fall into you're either related or you're strangers? Almost, right? There's some friends there that you know that you're not related to, but this covers the majority of the world for us because this word strangers is going to cover everybody we don't know. So this is a massive portion of the world. And Gaius is being commended here because he has done what? He has been faithful in what he has done for both the brothers and for the strangers. Now, I want to make sure that we get this context right because it's not just any stranger that you pick off the street. This comma at the end of verse 5 is going to help us clarify what kind of strangers he's actually talking about. Who have borne witness of your love before the church? So these people are very specific in that they have borne witness, they have told of his love before the church. Now, let's take a look at some of these words real quick. So you have borne witness. This is uh, martyrio. We looked at this word uh, last week, I think. This is a present active participle version of this word. So this is repeatedly. So these strangers and these brothers have repeatedly borne witness, have testified, have communicated of your love before the church, of your agape, uh, of your uh, care, of your charity, of your uh, benevolence, your affection before the church, the ecclesia, the, the calling out, this assembly. So, and then we have a period. And then he says, and this is going to help us clarify a little bit more, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth, who's the they? The strangers and the brethren, right? Because they went forth for who? For his name's sake. All right. So this is not necessarily referring to a stranger that you met on the road who is a pagan. This is a stranger to you that is in the faith, who is sharing the gospel. So he is saying, Gaius, for those that you knew who are sharing the gospel, and for those that you didn't know who you are sharing the gospel with, both of these sets are reflecting of your love and testifying of your love back to me for the church. Okay? So I don't want to go farther than the text will allow with this particular verse. Now, are there other places in the Bible where the Scripture commands us to take care of those that are around us? Yes, very much so. This is not a, a foreign concept. But right here is a very special kind of taking care and supporting, but sending them forward in their journey. So let's go back to that, that word in verse 6. It's interesting because the if you send them forward on their journey is one word in the Greek. <laughs> and Greek is a language where like we have a word for a lot of different things. There's, a, there's an article, there's a preposition, there's an adjective, there's a verb. I mean, there's just unbelievable amounts of words. This is all one word in Greek. And it means to escort, here's your next blank, or aid, A-I-D, in travel. <clears throat> and remember, so put yourself in this time frame. There was no motel that you could go and stay at. This would have been extraordinarily expensive to try to personally fund any type of journey. 
So these traveling, I would call them missionaries. This is, I mean, if you think about what's a good word for somebody who travels and spreads the gospel? Feels like a missionary, right? Well, maybe it's an evangelist. Okay, missionaries and evangelists. I'm good with either one. These are people doing kingdom work, and this is good work. So he is sending them forward on their journey. He is aiding them, and get this, this is the beautiful part, in a manner worthy of God. Because what is the message they are carrying? They are carrying God's word. So when we are able and see someone carrying God's word, what are we supposed to do? Help them out. Absolutely right. This is, I mean, this is like uh, Christian hospitality 101 right here. Right? We, we do what needs to be done. And I, I really love that he doesn't go into all this detail about specifically you did this and specifically you did this. It was just you helped them. And I love passages of Scripture that don't get hyper-specific because when we get hyper-specific, what I want to do is I want to turn it into a checklist. Right? Oh, I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Yay, I got it. This is so broad. It's, look at the definitions. To send forward, to escort, to aid in travel, to accompany. They might have needed him, somebody to walk with them for a bit. To bring forward on a journey. To conduct forth. <clears throat> It's a, lot of, it's a lot of range in there. In a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of the message that they are bringing. Because they are representatives of God. So, you've heard the New Testament talk about we are ambassadors. right? So you literally have an ambassador of God that you have an opportunity to help. So treat them as they are actually an ambassador of God. So when we have ambassadors come from other countries, we treat them accordingly. Right? Even, even enemies, we want to be careful how we treat because we don't want to start a war with our enemies lest we have inadvertently mistreated an enemy here, right? This is a very cautious approach. So if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. All right. So our first quote from John Stott. Here we go. Is it in your notes? Uh, Stedman is. We'll get, to, we'll get to Stedman in a minute. It's okay. So I've got one in my notes. So the elder now turns from the past to the future, from what you are doing to what you will do. So he's commended him for the past. Now he's going to, for what you will do well. So then a quote from Stedman. Here we go. One of the signs that a person has really been genuinely touched by God is that his pocketbook loosens up. This is why I love Stedman, because he gets really up in your face really quickly. But he does it in this, and if you've ever, you ought to go just Google any sermon by Ray Stedman and hear the tone in which he says these words because it's kind of this grandfatherly da-da-da-da-da. Oh, I just, I am speaking truth to you so smoothly. You never knew I hit you with a two-by-four in the head. You know? So his giving becomes generous, gracious, and cheerful just as God loves. And this man is faithful or loyal in his giving. This means he's regular and systematic in his giving. He doesn't just give when his emotions are moved, but he plans his giving and he carries it through, faithfully continuing with the work that is promised. And then a great quote by Guzik here, hospitality is a practical outworking of the essential command to love one another. It is love in action. And then we get to another clarifying uh, 
clause here about this particular group of people, these brethren and these strangers, because they went forth, they, they got out, they spread abroad for his name's sake. Now, the beautiful thing here, Stebna makes another great observation, is that not everybody goes as a missionary, right? Have all of us been called to be missionaries? No. And this is good. Like, there is a good and right, proper structure to what God's calling is, because if everybody was called to be a missionary, who would support the missionaries? Right? I mean, you just, you have to have some base that is financially supporting. And this is, he's calling them out. So there were some such as Gaius who were, to stay and to help support these people that were going out. Stedman says the word, I'm just now noticing this, Stedman says men. The text doesn't imply it was men only, so I want to make sure we don't infer that. So they went forth for his name's sake, taking, and this is present active participle, so we have another present participle, which means repeatedly, repeatedly taking nothing from the Gentiles. So I, want to, I want to pause here for just a second. This doesn't mean, and it's not meant to imply, that whenever these people went out and spread the gospel, that there was no attempt to help support. It was saying, we're not going to have, uh, in the minds of pagans, confusion about the grace of God. Because the grace of God is free. And if we were to say, I'm going to charge you admission to come in and hear this sermon about the free grace of God, but it doesn't feel free anymore. <laughs> It was like you're charging me. It was like we're trying to make money on the gospel, and that is not the approach. So he's saying not taking anything from the Gentiles, and the Gentiles would have been this, this generic term, this ethnos. Your blank there is the heathen. It's a, translated this way, this way several times in the New Testament. Um, and Wearsby summarizes this up really well. He says, this does not mean that God's servant should refuse a voluntary gift from an unconverted person, as long as the person understands that the gift will not purchase salvation. So so they, they were being very, very careful to separate these concepts of free grace of God and support for the mission work, right? So we want to make sure that we're very clear on this, which is a great, great theological thing to make sure we're separated on. Uh, in uh, Wearsby actually references Genesis 14, where the king of Sodom made this voluntary offer to Abraham for money, and Abraham said no. He, he didn't, it's a foreshadowing of what this good behavior by Gaius is in the New Testament. All right, verse 8. We, therefore, ought to uh, receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. And here's kind of where this concept of, all right, I am relationally connected with those on the mission field sharing the gospel, right? But I am also tactically connected with them when we support those that are sharing the gospel. So this is more than just calling somebody a brother, this is a fellow worker. So I to make sure that's our context. And then this word for we, this is only used when it's emphatic. There's a special word for we. I didn't, I, I learned this this week. This is new for me. Uh, and it, so the way you could read this is we, therefore, ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So this is a very emphatic word for we. Now, let's look at this word for ought. We therefore ought, because I don't, I don't use the word ought very often, right? Well, he ought to do that. I, that's how I use that word sometimes. But this particular word uh, means to, uh, to be bound, here's your blank, to be debt, to be a debtor, to be due, to be indebted to. So we therefore, you could say it this way, owe a debt 
to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So why would we owe a debt? Why would we who have already received the gospel owe a debt to those who are sharing the gospel? Somebody shared with us, right? I mean, if, if we can look at our lives and see the radical difference that the gospel of Jesus Christ has made in our lives, this then in turn says, wow, we want to share this with others. We will support these good works. All right, so then to receive, this word, uh, it's, this is present active infinitive, so this is to receive specially in full or as a host, also to take aside, to take aside. Because sometimes when I say, well, I receive you, all right, that's fine, but I'm going to take you aside. Well, that implies I'm going to do something when I take somebody aside, right? I'm going to provide, I'm going to support, maybe feed, maybe house. Again, it's a very broad term here. To receive such that we may become fellow workers, synergos, this co-laborer, this companions, this laboring together, this work fellows. And the interesting thing is that there's no implication that while Gaius was financially or physically supporting these people, in that moment they were actually sharing the gospel. So the, I, I can't connect grammatically the concept of, so these people come to Gaius' city, Gaius supports and encourages and funds them, and in that moment while he is doing that, they are actually sharing the gospel. The implication from the grammar here is that when they leave, the work that they do after we have supported we are fellow workers in that work, even though I am not physically there with them while they are doing it, which is fantastic, right? Because now I get to participate by supporting. This is beautiful. Now, if you've grown up in church, you're all looking at me going, well, of course, this is what we've heard all of our lives. Right, and this is where we get it. <laughs> like, this is why we do mission work like we do it, Third John. Like, literally, this is why. This is the theological justification for some staying and some going and the staying supporting those who went. This is it. And this is how you can feel confident that God looks at your giving, your support, and says, you are fellow workers. Now, he's not using the word uh, legizomai here. He's not using the word to count on behalf of something else. But it's a very, very similar concept. And fellow workers, not just for something good, not just for something that is helpful, for something that makes me feel good. Fellow workers for what? Truth, right? There is a concrete, fundamental, immovable thing that we are centered around in this work. It is not fuzzy. It is not uh, uh, rounded edges. It is very clear exactly what is going on. Um, Guzik talks about in 1 Samuel 30 that there's this concept is uh, shown there as well. King David understood that the supply lines uh, were just as vital as the soldiers, and God would reward both soldiers and supporters properly and generously. And this is why John would pray for the prosperity of Gaius. He uses his resources in a godly way by being a blessing to others. And if God blessed him with more, others would be blessed even more. So this is why for... Uh, those in our church and those believers that I know that are that you give faithfully that I pray for financial success for you I want you to be financially successful 
so that you can then give more so that we can share more gospel. This is a good prayer to pray. Now, I want to separate what I just said from the prosperity gospel concept, which is God owes me prosperity because of my choosing him, which is just, I almost want to say it over here. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to say it from there, right? It is just awful concept. And it is a completely different heart position. So be very careful uh, when you hear, well, God owes me financial success. God owes me this. Uh, there's a whole lot of uh, proverbs being taken as pro- uh, promises there, and that, that can be very dangerous. All right, so we'll do some application and some personalization, uh, and then we'll see if we've got a little bit of time for something else real quick. So application number one, faithfulness involves doing, and just circle the word doing there for me. Faithfulness involves doing for other believers. And this would include both those we know and those we don't know, right? So what do we do with that? Well, number one, support believers, right? So we're going to support. Well, what does support look like, Jim? Support. What support do they need? <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> it, it, it looks like, hey, I need help with this. Okay, well, let's, let's go do that, right? So application number two, doing well involves supporting those spreading the gospel. All right, great. So support believers spreading the gospel. So the first one is kind of in general this principle. The second is this very specific principle. And then becoming fellow workers for the truth involves receiving missionaries. So support believers resting from spreading the gospel. We actually have a word for this in our modern churches. What's the word for the period of time when you rest from spreading the gospel sabbatical or a furlough right this is a i'm going to come home and i'm going to rest right well there's we do that because we have evidence of it in the new testament this is a good thing um and that's okay <clears throat> all right so uh, i mentioned last sunday that i wanted us to encourage one another today with some stories of how you have been personally blessed, encouraged, supported by other believers in a time of need, in a time of want, in a time where you were spreading the gospel and you needed some encouragement. Um, so I will, I will start real quick. Uh, evangelism is not something that I uh, have consciously in the front of my mind all the time, but when I was in college uh, in South Carolina, we would go to uh, the campus of Clemson University, and we would hand out tracts, and we would talk to people about Jesus. Uh, and I, we almost never had somebody initiate conversation, right? I mean, that's just, you, that's very rare. And if you did, it was going to be somebody who wanted to have an argument with you. So when you saw somebody actively coming towards you, it was, it was 98% of the time, okay, here we go. Somebody wants to argue. I don't want to argue. I want to love you. And there was this time, and I never saw the guy again. He walked up. He said, hey, thank you for spreading the gospel. This is a good thing. We need you to continue that on this campus. Thanks for coming. I got to run. Bye. And it was, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I, I, you know, I had my, my defenses up, my armor on. I'm ready to go. And, and I got encouragement, <laughs> you know. And I thought we were going to go fisticuffs, theologically. Not, I'm not fighting anybody. It's, <laughs> I have no business physically altering, <laughs> getting into physical altercation with anybody. 
Uh, but it was just very encouraging. It didn't involve money at all. It was just a, a word of encouragement and very supportive and encouraged us greatly in that little effort. Um, and it was good. So, other stories, other examples. You do. It's wonderful. Yep. Awesome. Isn't it beautiful to see somebody 2,000 years after something's been written? Like, okay, I'm still going to, like, this is still good. This is really, really good. And, and it's not just, so here's what I love about the story you told. It's not dispassionate. It's not meaningless. It's not emotionally disconnected. So John presents it in a way where there's love, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's a valuing, but he doesn't present it in this radically emotional way. But to the person on the receiving end, it is radically emotional, right? It's just a, I think it's beautiful. It's a, it's a very interesting uh, psychological dynamic that's at play here. I, I, I have not gotten to where I can articulate it yet, but there's that. Yes, sir. I'm going to come closer so I can hear you. <clears throat> uh, I went out to see my son, David, and Stacy, who used to be in class. Yes, and are coming back. They went to Texas. David and Stacy were waiting on you to get back. I know you're listening. Awesome. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yes. Woohoo. Oh, I can't wait. I miss Stacy's grammar and David's willingness to literally do anything. Like, yes. <laughs> and with such a, a positive graciousness, positive sounds too, uh, that's the wrong word. Just a graciousness. Um, and, and a, a humility of, oh, no, 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 this is like, why wouldn't I do this? 
I, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've heard him say, well, why wouldn't I do that? That's what we're supposed to do. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Did I tell y'all that I, my truck, uh, when I had my truck, <clears throat> um, <laughs> my truck overheated on the way back from uh, Spring City one day because uh, it didn't have any water in the radiator. Uh, we found a hole in the radiator that way. It was fantastic. And uh, about five miles out of Spring City, and the truck overheats, steam coming out everywhere. I'm on the side of the road. I'm like, what in the world? Well, David had texted me about something earlier that day. And I said, well, if, if anybody knows how to fix this, it'd be David. So I sent him a text message. He said, where are you? And I told him the best I could, and he said, I'm on my way. I was like, well, like, uh, hang on. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a long ways away. He's like, I'm already on my way. Don't worry about it. And he gets there, and he's got like these gallon jugs of water. He starts just pouring it in the radiator, and away we go, and everything's great. I didn't even ask. Didn't even ask. Just, just did. It was beautiful, you know. And I wasn't even sharing. I'm not going to pitch this as doing something spiritual. I was just working in Spring City, <laughs> uh, but it's just what he did. It's gorgeous. Just gorgeous. All right, one more. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. she'll follow up on the PT. She'll make sure it's be done right. <laughs> I can testify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has an awful lot of hair to be your husband. <laughs> bet a nickel because I don't bet more than a nickel because I'd get in trouble um, but I would bet a nickel we could probably do this for an hour or two or ten um, because each of us has several stories that we could tell uh, in this space and it's it is truly beautiful um, all right so next week uh, we're looking at Diotrephes and Demetrius I'm going to bet a nickel you don't know anybody named Diotrephes <clears throat> there's a reason <laughs> it's not just because it's a weird name it's because he was not a nice guy uh, but you might know somebody named Demetrius. Uh, and there's a reason, because he was doing what was good. Uh, so it, 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 I think it's going to be interesting one day to see uh, all these people in heaven that are named after some Bible, quote-unquote, celebrity. And we're going to meet those people that we're actually named after. And that'll be 
and interesting um, and interesting conversations, I believe. So your homework's listed there on the back side of your uh, page 8 of your handout. So asking the Holy Spirit for help, reading next week's text, uh, talking to somebody, sharing insights, inviting members. And then the resources that I have mentioned today are listed there at the bottom. Uh, I would strongly encourage you to take a read through, if you want to star one of them, that Third John, A Tale of Three Men by Ray Stedman. Uh, just really a fantastic sermon that he preached back in uh, 68 uh, that's available online. Just a, a really, really great uh, sermon. I think the audio is available there as well, uh, and I may link to that on the uh, Sunday School page to, uh, to have you take a listen to that as well. So uh, if you'll take a minute and lean in and engage and pray as a table over those prayer requests, uh, make any updates that are needed. Uh, if you, I will ask you uh, one piece of, uh, one request. If you put a prayer request on the uh, weekly update, please put your name as well so that we can connect the request with a person in our class because you want to know who to be able to follow up with for updates and when something is resolved because uh, this helps us keep things as fresh and as accurate as we can. So uh, lean in, engage, pray at the table, and when you've prayed, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.